I um, was listening to my son at a, a nappy party at our house yesterday. And um, I was going to chat together with men together, but I, I always laugh because there's a few things that always happen when men get together is that after a while, we always end up discussing the military, outside going the army and the police and whatever. That's always a topic. The second thing that always comes up is some form of religion, you know, um, government, most men will touch on a little bit and have their conspiracy theories. But what I always love about when men get together, that men have such incredible stories, you know. And a lot of times our stories aren't really believable. But, but they're really good stories, you know? Um, and, and we can tell the most insane stories, and we can also tell the same story in seven different versions, you know, the versions, you know what I mean? It's like, we, we can do that, we spread it out. But there's one thing that's really significant when men bride together, and it's this, that we always got the sense of, like, are you telling the truth or not, you know? Because some of our stories are quite elaborate. You know, especially our fishing stories, they big like stories, you know, very big stories. But I always laugh because it doesn't matter, this is men now, this is just our men thing, ladies and this is our men thing. You see, the guy can tell the most outrageous story in the world, and 90% of the group sitting around him will not believe his story. But if he's got a spot, Well, he's got truth. You know, if someone says to me, you know, look, when I was young, I was running over by a kudu, and he got his horn through my shoulder, and he dragged me 300 meters, and he dropped me on the side of a river, and I just escaped the bite of a crocodile. I'm like, ah! But if he takes off his shirt, and he shows me the good horn, where it went in and where it went out, we believe him. Doesn't matter how stupid that story was, we believe him, amen? And it's not just men, I think we all like that. And I don't want to check this morning around scars, scabs and wounds. <clears throat> because I think so often, there's certain things that happen in our life, certain things that we journey, certain things that uh, we face in life, that often we neglect the fact to understand that we're in a process, all of us. You know, we just weren't born like this, good, Sutton, and yay, nay, and blay, and I'm going to say like the same way. Every one of you in this room this morning have changed, and are still changing week by week by week. Some of you are still facing challenges. Some of you are still trying to get your head around some things that happened to you. Some people are still trying to, you know, get to a place of, of understanding where their life is, why they're journeying, what they're journeying, and why, and who, and we know how we go. But there's an incredible part in the scripture that I want to read to you this morning. And hear me, uh, for me, I think it's one of the funniest parts in the Bible. But it's not meant to be funny. But I've got to look at it from a human perspective sometimes as well. All right? And it's the story of Jesus. You can find it in John 20, 20. I'm going to read to you now. But the word of God tells us that Jesus had been crucified. He had been beaten beyond recognition. You know, we know the whole story that he got lashes around his back, that his ribs were showing, his kidneys were showing, his face was so deformed that nobody could recognize him. He had a crown of thorns on his head, he had nail marks in his hands and his feet, spear inside. 
So Jesus was in the same by the time he went into the grave, he was unrecognizable. He didn't look like Jesus. And so we pick up the story where Jesus comes out of the tomb. And we'll read from verse 19. And he says this, and the disciples were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And on the evening that and the evening of the, of the same Sunday, they locked themselves into a room. Now, now we've got to see this picture here. Yeah, we've got we've got the disciples. So there's eleven of them in the room. Alright? The only time that's missing is, is Judas. Uh, um, no, uh, no, wait, Thomas is not missing, but any case. And um, they all sit in the word of God says they're afraid of what the rulers might do. And so they locked themselves away in this house. And, and when I went to that, I said, you know, when I started to think about the sermon this morning, I thought, wow, how many people do that in life? That the minute we become afraid, it's easier to lock ourselves away than to deal with stuff. It's easier just to go into hiding because we're afraid of something. It's easy enough just to withdraw from society, withdraw from people around us, withdraw from family and church, simply because we just don't know what the future holds. But in any case, so the scripture carries on like this. That wasn't my sermon. That's all another sermon. He said, and suddenly Jesus appeared in the middle of the group. Okay, and he greeted them and showed them his hands and his feet. Now, now you've got to read some of the interpretations where they said, the disciples were incredibly afraid and did not recognize Jesus. Now, I don't know how you would have to do quite holy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I don't know about you, because if I think a group of us men were standing around a fire or sitting inside the house crying, and one of our friends comes through the wall and says, Peace be to you. I don't know how many of you brave men will still be sitting here. But I'll tell you, let me be honest, I'm out of there. Like through a window, I will find a way out of there. If somebody comes walking through that wall. And I love the story. I love the story because you know what the Word of God basically says? That if you're in Christ, sometimes you don't need a door to open. Sometimes you will, open, you will come in without you even opening a door. Sometimes you don't even need a door to open in your business. Because if you're Him, that's how He loves. Peace be to you. The incredible part about the story is this. Is that yes, the disciples were very fearful tonight. And I don't care who you are here. Every one of you would have been fearful. And the word says, the strangest thing was this, that they didn't even identify him in the beginning. And why didn't they identify him? Because the last time they saw him, he was unrecognizable. Now let's think about this. That how many of you have had a blue eye or bloody nose? Or how many of you have had, had a, a, a cut or injury? We know for a fact, many, many, Jesus should not have been made whole. In three days, skin on his back grew, his kidneys resurrected again, his eyes went down the swelling, his head was fine. The crazy thing about this moment, this is incredible, that Jesus was completely restored. But then why 
Did he keep his spot or did he have to keep inside? If Jesus was completely healed, his face came back to normal, the skin grew back on his back, everything happened. The only thing he came back with was the scars of what he endured. And not all of them. Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought, why were those healed? Now you've got to understand this morning, and we know this, ladies, shoppers, that whenever you go into a shop and you buy something, what do they give you? A receipt. What does that receipt mean? On it will be your husband's credit card number. <laughs> but on that receipt, it is absolute proof that the item that you have in your hand is 100% paid for. Right or wrong? So that receipt is proof that you now own this product. Why? Because you pay for it in full. That's just not the only reason. The second reason why you get a receipt is this. That when that thing breaks or it fails or it doesn't work the way it's supposed to do, you can take your receipt and you can go to replacement or refund. But... Without that receipt, you cannot do it. Now, we should understand that this morning. The process. And I thought about this. I thought about the fact, why did Jesus keep them? You know, the word of God says, suddenly Jesus appeared in the middle of the group. He greeted them, peace be to you, you know. And he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they became very happy. And after Jesus had greeted them again, he said, I'm sending you as the Father has sent me. Then he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Listen, and if you, if you forgive anyone's sins, they will be forgiven. But if you do not forgive their sins, they will not be forgiven. And so in this moment, not even the disciples believe that Jesus is who he says he is until he does this. Even the disciples wanted a sign, not a sign, they wanted some kind of a proof, a receipt, that things have been paid for in full. You see, whether you and I like it or not, every person in this auditorium this morning has been, has been wounded somewhere along the line. Every one of us are carrying a physical and emotional and some of us even a spiritual, spiritual wounds that have been fixed on our lives. Some of us have got wounds, some of us have got scars, some of us have got scabs. And I want you to think about this this morning, because so often you and I don't fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for us, because we never allow wound to heal in our lives. Everything I believe, everything that you've been through, up until this very time in history right now was to make you a better person whether you believe it or not every hurt every bit of spiritual abuse every bit of emotional abuse every bit of physical abuse whatever it might be every one of us somewhere along the line carry a hurt and some carry a wound that just never heals because we don't allow it to heal 
Someone also carry a scab because the scab is the proof that the wound is healing. That's the very proof. And when your scab falls off, you end up with a scar. And a scar, your scar, is this, your very receipt that you've endured. You see, we forget about our receipt in our back pocket. That every time the enemy comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. That every time the enemy comes and wants to break up my marriage. That every time the enemy comes and wants to destroy my finances. Whenever the enemy comes and wants to break up kids back into the lifestyle of drug abuse and alcohol. You know what I do? I pull out that receipt. And I remind him that it's been paid for in full. I remind him that I've been redeemed. I remind him that I've been paid and I've been bought for at a price that Jesus paid the price for me. That he paid the very price to make sure that I can walk in the fullness that God has for me. But the problem is this, that so often we journey through stuff in our lives and when we journey through stuff in our lives, we don't allow the wound to heal. Have you ever met people that are just sick all the time? Don't nod, just... <laughs> don't look at your wives. No, I'm joking. Have you met people like that? Have you met people in life that only got one story? How the world had been so mean to them. How they'd been abused. How they're an alcoholic at 60 because at the age of two, his dad hit him with a beer bottle or whatever it might be. And I'm not being flippant of it, but we also need to be realistic this morning that there are some things that we are carrying that should have been dealt with many years ago. There are some wounds that we are dealing with that should have had salt on it and prize bolts and whatever it might be, mercurical, my patient to pass with, you know. They've had, they should have had some kind of a treatment. But I've found out in life that a lot of people like their wound. A lot of people like the wound. The promise is, is that when that wound starts to heal, it turns into a scar. You know what the problem is? Is that sometimes we don't allow that scar to heal. You know why? Because see, when you've still got an offense in your heart, when you still feel that you've been wrong, you've still got a wound here, it's easy for someone to come and pick on your scab. Then if you were offended by a church member, in your 20s, maybe a pastor says something horrible to you in your 20s. I just didn't like the idea and rejected your decision or whatever it might be where it is not uh, discipline you. Every time you bring up a thing and another Christian says something, you get offended all over again. Why? Because we're not dealing with the wound. We're not dealing with the pain. We're not dealing with what God wants to do through your life. And it's one thing that the devil is really good at. And he's really good at picking up your scab all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. Your wife cheats on you once and it doesn't matter how many married women you marry after that. You will never trust them until you deal with your rejection issues. Right or wrong? 100%. You see, I cry most. I'm not the coolest one in the world. I brought my lady and all my wife from the motocross. I've looked at one of the things I zipped on both sides of my leg. My doctor's, my, 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 or the piece was really good, but really bad stitches. Um, 
But I know that every time I look at my leg, it reminds me of where I came from. It reminds me of the fact that the doctor looked at me and he said to me, Sati, you have no idea what you have no idea And my only response to that doctor was this, you do what you can because I'm going to trust God for the rest. This leg reminds me that my God heals. This leg reminds me that my God is more than enough. This leg reminds me all the time that man can have an opinion, but at the end of the day, it's God that counts. This leg reminds me that my God still does miracles. That's what my scar tells me. I don't know about you, but what does your scar tell you? What is the story around your scar? And you know the sad thing in church life is this, that so many of them are carrying a scar that are not physically visible. They could be emotional. They could be from abuse from your parents or your father, from a rape situation, whatever it might be. Please, I'm not standing up here and making light of what you've journeyed. I'm not making light of what you've been through because I know that I would probably not have endured half of what most of you in this room have endured. But I've got to say this to you. I do believe that you're an overcomer. I do believe that you can use your wound as a testimony. You see, I believe that often God allows us to go through stuff for us to be a testimony to the world around. You see, he speaks to his disciples. And he rocks up and says, peace be to you guys. They all freak out, jump out the windows, do what they have to. He gathers them together and shows them his hands to his feet. They believe in the way the next thing he says. You follow the Holy Spirit You see, there's a process in wounds being healed. And your scar often is not for you. Your scar is for other people around you. So Dallas got this thing in her head. Actually, my son came up with it in the journey that we've been on the last year. And we start to realize something, that often someone else's story cannot be told by us. It's your story. It's your story. It's your story that you need to get to the world out there. You see, I can't tell your story. I can't speak about your scars. I can't speak about your wounds. I can't speak about what you've journeyed. But listen to me. The word of God says that you are more than an overcomer. Some of you still stuck from the last divorce. The last job that you got fired from. The last time somebody cheated on you. The last time somebody stole money from you. The last time somebody said something abrasive to you. The last time somebody swore at you. Whatever it might be. We carry these scars. Or these wounds, let me put it like that. We carry these wounds. And the thing is this, that if you do not take care of a wound, it festers. Moms, you should know this. That if you do not take care of a wound, it festers. And the wound just doesn't stay there. That when the wound festers, the wound grows. And I've seen people that have bumped their toes and have not taken care of it, and they eventually lost a leg. And we've got to be careful. 
We've got to be careful that we can push our wounds and our hurts and our pains one way. And you know what? It just grows and grows and grows and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually we can't walk. Eventually we give up on life. Eventually we're trying to think about suicide. We want to throw our lives away. We want to give up on the world. We want to give up on our marriage. We want to give up on our business. We want to give up on God. We want to give up on church. Every one of us. Every one of us have endured. I've been rejected. You've been rejected. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. People have said things unfairly. People have said things unfairly to you. That, that is human nature. Every one of us have endured so much in this room. I said this before and I'm going to say it again. I've got no problem with a man that falls. I've got a problem with a man that won't get up. And I don't care how many times you need to get up. And I don't care how many times you need to go to God and say, God, I need a miracle. I, my life has to be healed. Or do you just want to carry on? Do you just want to hold on to your little wound? You see, there's a few things that we need to understand. And it's this, that we need to ask ourselves four simple questions this morning. Four simple questions. And I really believe that, that after the service we need to pray for people. I really believe with all my heart that there are some who are physical and spiritual, very spiritual needs. I don't know why this keeps coming up. But spiritual hurts. Where Christians have hurt you. Christians have said something. Where the church has hurt you. And the church can't hurt you because the church is a building. So, you know, it, only people can hurt you. Only people can hurt you. But I really feel that God wants to heal some guys this morning. If you're in your 20s young, you've had a bad upbringing or a bad experience with dad or mom or whatever, I want to say this to you. Don't be like the rest of us idiots that want to carry it for 30 years before we put some plaster on it. You don't have to. There's men and women sitting in this room that endured so much and they've overcome. You don't have to walk the same road. And so I want to throw four questions at you, there where you are today, that if you're carrying a spiritual, physical, or emotional wound. One is this, what caused the wound? What caused the wound? Or who caused the wound? Do you know that sometimes our wounds can be self-inflicted? One person agrees with you. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> Looks like there's only two of us that inflict wounds on us. The rest of them are saints. <coughs> you know, 90% of the things you worry about never happen. Do you know that we, we take a little scratch? That someone accidentally scratched us in passing. And we, by the time we see that person again, it's become cancer. Because this thing here, all of a sudden runs rampant with us. We replay that conversation in our head. Who knows what I'm talking about? We revisit word for word. We take it apart, we pick it apart, like taking chicken off a bone. And the problem is though that at the end of the day, we're not hearing what they say, 
We want the outcome to be what we want it to be. And often when we're wrong, when we're wrong, that's the worst. Because to admit that you're wrong, to admit that you messed up, to actually acknowledge that your child is not an angel, that your kid is not perfect, he makes mistakes. Your wife, she's not perfect. She will make mistakes. Men, you're damn close to perfect, but you're not perfect. We make few mistakes. One, find out where the wound comes from. If it's your dad, if it's your mom, if it's your teacher. You know, I, I'll tell you the story. I was in standard sixth grade. I don't know. And uh, I, did, I did well at maths. I did well at maths up until standard six. And um, I remember my math teacher just didn't understand me. <laughs> now, I, I tell you, I picked up an offense with my math teachers that is in standard six already, grade eight. Do you know that, 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 that from, from standard five, we have a third in the class for maths, to the end of standard eight, I've got an H. That's really naught and 18%. Today, that was really exceptional. I mean, I would have been a, a top student with today's thing, eh? 30% to pass. I wouldn't even bought textbooks. But I picked up an offense with them. And two years later, I know if we can't teach her that we joked with, she turned around to me and she said, because I'm going to mount a gun you know what? I let that scar fester for so long. You know what happened? Started joining, failed the trick. Dad sent me back to school. The crazy, I mean, God, you saw that thing. The problem is this, is that I blamed her for saying what she did. But I didn't want to acknowledge my part in why she said what she did. There's a reason why she said what she did. She just didn't wake up one morning and said, oh, well, I'm going to put a good suck on this. There's a reason why she said what she did. The funniest thing is this, is that 14 years later, I went to a house to arrest her husband for fraud. <laughs> And I looked at her and I said, I am a pro, aren't it? <laughs> and she said, look, no, it's something. I felt like I said, yeah, do you remember? <laughs> Come here, I'll put you in the van too. <laughs> but that's what something said, taken wrong, manifest in my life that cost me 10 years of joy. Ten years. So one, we find out where the wound comes from. Number two, allow yourself time to heal. You're not God. 
You're not Superman. You need time to heal. You know, we've got this thing of, you know, if, if Christian offends man, we're fighting for months. You know, they all of a sudden like, Christian, I'm so sorry, man. Okay, I'm so sorry. Okay, we're friends now. <laughs> and we think it's all done. But until the offense is dealt with, until I've allowed myself time to digest what has gone on in our lives, why, how did we get to this place? What caused this thing to take place? You see, healing is just not about a scar. Healing is understanding why you got the scar. Healing is understanding what caused the scar in your life. I listen to stories of, of kids cutting themselves with razors and I freak out when I cut my finger and the scissors in the kitchen. I should tell the a helicopter and back me out of there. I'm sensitive like that. But I hear the story of kids cutting themselves and I'm like, like why, why do you want to add a scar to a scar? Why? Is it because your emotional scar is not visible? And you want the physical scar to be visible? To say, hey, I did this because of. You see, girls, guys, that's not the way to go. You see, you don't need a physical scar to show emotional or spiritual healing. People will see that in your life. Number three, what did I learn from this wound? What did I learn from this wound? Because in life, everything has a lesson. In life, everything and everybody around us teach us stuff. This is why we say in church life, we say, you've got to be teachable. You've got to be teachable. You cannot teach somebody, you cannot mentor somebody that knows everything. Or think they know everything. You cannot heal if you think you just know everything. Sometimes you've got to say sorry. Oh, but it wasn't my fault. I don't care. This is about your healing, not about theirs. How often we carry a grudge against people, or burden, or anger, or hatred and bitterness for years and years and years. I need to find out they have no clue. They don't even know what they said. They don't even remember meeting you. They don't remember you when you were six years old, they ran over you by accident and they said something stupid to you. We carry that stuff. We carry that stuff. What have you learned from your scar? You see, because a scar is an indication that you've exceeded your limit. A scar is an indication that you've gone just a little bit too far. Whether it's a fall, whether it's a car accident, whether it's a rugby accident, whatever it might be. Whenever we've got a scar, it's a reminder that maybe we've gone one step just a little too far. And you need to ask yourself, what is it, what is it that I need to learn in the season that we're in right now? And fourthly, and in closing this one, how do I use what I have? Let me tell you something. There's no greater healing than you allowing your hurt to heal someone else. Uh, this is the thing that I love most about ministry. And honestly, I thank God that I lived in the world for 28 odd years. 
I thank God that I had the military background that I have. I thank God that I went through what I went through in my life. I thank God that I lost my child because it changed my life. I thank God that I was able to... I, we have been through stuff. I have been through stuff. I've endured heartache. I've had rejection. I've had all that kind of stuff. Everything. The same as you. But what I choose to do with my scar matters. And there's no great joy because this is why I love passing and this is why I love being in church life because I love saying, hey, Jason, phew, we've walked this thing. Come here. Let me cut off 10 years of your journey. You don't have to walk this thing. Come sit here. Let me tell you what's, what's going on in my life. Let me tell you what went through in my life. Jesus said that. What did he say right there at the end? He says to them, and the Father sent me. He says, I'm sending you. Now, don't you go around and tell everyone your, your major scar hurts and stuff. You know, don't you get all transparent all of a sudden. And I'm saying, no, I'm saying that. Because it's not everyone else that needs healing. You need healing. You need healing. Take a minute. Take a minute. What is that mean? That little piece kicking on. What's that little scam? Is it your past? Is it what you've done to someone else? If it's a crime, please don't tell me. <laughs> now come on. Are you constantly going to be moseying through life? Is that it? With one story, how someone hurt you. Or one story that you've changed so dramatically that doesn't sound like the original. Why? Why do you want to commit suicide? Why do you want to cut yourself? Why do you want to drink yourself to death? Why? I don't understand. Because if you understand the purpose and the plan that God has for you, listen to me. I need to get this in your head. Jeremiah 29, I know, says the Lord, the plan I have for you. You think God just created you to sit in the chair? Really? There's a purpose that we have. There's a destiny that you and I have. There's this calling of God upon our lives. And so often we just mosey through life. We just exist. And every week we've got the same scars and the same hurts and the same story. And the toughest thing about healing is this, is that so often we blame someone else for we not being healed. Have you noticed that? I live in the lie of my ex-husband. And the only story I've got was the fear that he had. And the only story I have is that every person that comes across my path, I need to tell them about him and his secretary. Well, I'm going to tell them about the incredible abuse I had as a child. And so the, feel, the more I speak about the, the horrible my dad was to me, somehow the better we start to feel about ourselves. But you see, that's just picking the scar again. That's just picking the scab all over again. And we're never going to grow. 
and we're never going to move in the things of God if you and I continue to pick at the scab in our lives. And the problem is this, that so often there's other people that spend their lives picking on our scabs. You know why? Because we live in a world that calls us by our sin and not by who God is. We live in a world that identifies with our sin and not who God is in our lives. Do you know Chantal in the church? Are you the alcoholic? Yes. That's her. And we joke, but we do that. We do that. We do that. Ecclesiastes 3. I'm going to do my funeral stuff with you now. I'm going to read the scripture. And I want you to catch this. You know the scripture, but listen to it. It says that everything on the earth has its own time. Sorry, I'm just telling my wife probably. Has its own time and its own season. There is a time for birth and a time for death. A time for planting and a time for reaping. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to destroy and a time to build. A time of crying and a time of laughter. A time to weep and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to impart from embracing. There is a time to be finding and losing, keeping and giving, for tearing and sowing, for listening and speaking. There is also a time for love and hate, a time of war and peace. Listen to this. And what do we gain by all this hard work? Well, I've seen what the difficulty is God has demanded of us, that God has made everything happen at his right time, that none of us can ever fully understand what he has done, that he's put the question in our hearts about the past and about the future. And so what it says, and I said this to you before, how different would our lives be if we knew the day we were born, how long we'd live for? How different would my life be if I knew that I was going to make it to 60? And I wouldn't make it past 60. How different would my life be if I knew I was only going to live to 25? How different would my choices be? But the word of God says there in that verse above, and I just want to just say this, it says this. It says, what, what do we gain by all our hard work? It says, I've seen what difficult things God demands of us. In some translations, it says a little bit differently. The translation says, I've seen the God-given task with the sons of men are to be occupied. Are you occupied with the things of God? Or is the enemy just leaving you in your hospital bed permanently? Is the enemy just continuing to rob you of a blessing? You see, the best part about healing is this, is one that I have to acknowledge that I've got a scar or wound. And you will never heal until you identify the fact that you've got a wound. Might be spiritual, might be emotional. It might be something that you buried so deep down in your thought pattern that you don't even remember it anymore. And let me tell you something, that if your life is not going in the right direction and it ends in the purpose that God has for you, sometimes you just take a step back and revisit some stuff. Because let me tell you something, all of us in this room here can pretend to be HIPP while all of the time. The problem is this, is that God is not interested in your HIPP while interested in you. 
See, I've got to get past this thing of what people think. I've got to get past this thing of feeling that I've let God down or I've disappointed him. I've been past this thing that he will never heal me and he'll never forgive me for what I've done. I've got to get past this thing that there's something that is causing problems in this marriage that I haven't dealt with in the last one or in the last company or in the last church. And you will run from church to church to church to church to church to church as long as you don't deal with your offense. I had a guy in my church once, and um, he was offended by a church close to us. And the pastor made a comment about his drumming. Now, you'll know this. That guy fought with me for 16 years. I never did a thing wrong to him. Never did a thing, never spoke a bad word about him. But he would sit there Sundays and he would take my sermons to pieces and he would take me to pieces. Just stay like that. He's spoken how many times and just deal with this, just deal with go back, go back and go deal with what might happen then. The sad thing, I don't even think they're doing church today. What is it going to deal with? Did I do mommy one of these days? You know, whole new life comes into the world. And somebody can ask, so what is this boy getting? Tough. Not what is she getting, what is the boy getting? What does what mom look like that, that, that God is giving to him? Sometimes what is what is what does the spiritual kids look like that God gives to you? If you still hurt him. If you still broken. You see, you can only give what you've got. You can only give what you've got. And if you've got healed, you can give it. If you're whole, you can give it. But if you're broken, you can't give healing. You can only give brokenness what you've got. What does the word of God say? From the overflow of the heart. Give up. And I want you to think about this morning. Because I really believe with all my heart that we, we're going into this incredible season where God wants to do new stuff in our life. And we just, we're just watching it. You know, God's like adding and removing it among the ministries and, and different people calling and getting answers and different people are stepping up and, you know, people are raising their hands and never raised their hands before, you know. And in the same season, all this excitement about Cristo and all this excitement about the new God, all this excitement about the new leaders and the new people coming in. On the other hand, we've got people that resist that very thing. They resist the very fact of change. They resist the fact that they don't want to move or whatever they want to do. And it's not because of you or because of me. Often it's because of what they've been carrying from the last guy and the last church. I love it when I meet new believers. And they just walk into my office. There's Kathy, she'll know. They walk into my office. I've never met them in my life before. And they'll just walk in and say, God says I need to come and serve you. And the next word they say determines whether they'll make it or not. Because if they say, I want you because God sent me out to serve this body, they'll stay. 
But the minute they open their mouths and badmouth the lost church, I know that I've been in this problem with the rest of That's all they feel. Can we stand?